0: Welcome, fam. This is Courtney Russell, Jr., and I'm here with my co-host, Emily Brocker.
1: Welcome to Humanize.
0: We are two Americans with totally different backgrounds and life experiences.
1: We're coming together on this podcast to dive right at the heart of the three things that shut down tough conversations about race, culture, power, and ego.
0: The stories you are about to hear are meant to humanize those deeply involved in social justice. Welcome to the work, y'all. Let's get it. Hello, hello. This is another episode of Humanize, and we—I am here with my co-host Emily Brocker, and today's episode is going to be mainly about um, the normalization of racism. There's a lot of perspectives on that, and we are going to get into it today. Also, we—we we, me and Emily need some help because. During this first season, we will be going back and forth with our own perspectives, building um, our our podcast, our brand, our awareness, and and just building the relationship needed to create these spaces. Season two, however, will be hosts. We will be hosting um, space for guests to come on and give their perspectives on the topic of the day. And so, if you please continue to listen to Humanize. Start to enjoy it, and then when you, f- if you feel like you could um, benefit or lend benefit to other individuals, please don't hesitate to reach out to us on our platforms, and um, we would love to have you on as a guest. Now, um, let's do a disclaimer. I need y'all to know when you are having these kind of discussions that we um, we have generally on this on this podcast. I need you to understand we've garner a relationship that affords us the the flexibility and the comfortability to do so. And so please don't take it upon your right to assume that you have the green light to ask pressing questions into other individuals' lives without the relationship needed to do so. So with that being said, without any further ado, let's get into it. Emily. Yes. You you heard that (laughs) title. Um, What is, how do you feel about the normalization of racism and has it been normalized? What do you think about that?
1: You know, when I when I think about that that question, what comes to mind is sitting around a table with a couple friends um, a couple months ago, and this was I started to tell them about this podcast, sort of tell them about the work that I do with corporate and nonprofit groups, and just kind of like spitballing w- where I'm at with things, what I've been exploring with my own internalization of of white supremacy. And um, as the conversation went on, I basically was like, well, yeah, you know, obviously we're all racist. And my friend, uh, a white woman was just, just went, (laughs) went extra white, (laughs) you know, became a ghost and was like, well, I'm not. And, and my, my attitude and kind of how I think about things now is that like we, you know, as adults are just so seeped in media, basically, you know, so saturated in all of these messages about different groups of, of people act like this and, you know, different, you know, we, we hear it from the news and the news chooses what to highlight and um, movies and books and, and whatever. And then we hear it from subtle for our educators and stuff. and um and we've basically built all these neuropathways pathways to think about people in in a certain way and and that way of thinking has has come along with the the notion of of white supremacy. and that the the white culture. You know, there's so many stories throughout time, whether it's the white man's burden or, you know, white saviorism, all these things that are extremely racist ideas. And I just don't see how anyone could be living without them. And so that's kind of like my, my baseline assumption about everyone is that they're racist. And yet calling someone racist, like naming that we're racist or saying, yeah, I'm racist, is like so appalling to people. And you, it, you couldn't say something worse because it's been conflated with this idea of being a bad person. If you're a racist, you're a bad person. It's like the ideal fragile egg construction by white supremacy is like, whatever you do, don't be honest about what's going on here. Yeah. Because yeah. if we're honest, then it kind of fucks up the whole economy. Right. Yep. So I'm really curious about uh, like what it looks like to live in a world, let's just start with a country, because our country, the U.S., has a particular set of history and, and sure. problems. What does it look like if we lived in a country where we're, where everyone was like, yeah, we're all racist? We're all racist. and my hope would be that a certain percentage of the that those people would then say, well, shit, then we need to do something about that. Yes. You know, like then I need something. If I don't racist, if if I want to align with this vision of myself as not a racist person or align with a vision of the country that could be functioning, not in this like social categorization of people, then we have to do something about it. Mm-hmm. so when i when I think about the normalization of racism, I, I guess maybe what I'm talking about is the normalization of owning being racist. Yes. And that's 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 kind of where my head yes. goes. How, did, okay. how does that land with
0: you? Um, A lot. A lot of things are coming up. People usually conflate or use synonymously prejudice and racist, you know, and so just it, it's just an easier thing to say the person's racist. I like to explain it. I explain it to the students that I work with. Um, I explain it to other individuals. Ooh, without the power, an individual can't be a racist because racism is okay. built in a system and prejudice it, it kind of individualizes. So now there's another discussion. Can black people or people of color be racist? And I always say black people and people of color cannot be racist. Mm-hmm. However, they can be um, prejudiced because people of color traditionally do not have mm-hmm. the, the power that must be aligned for a person to benefit and be lumped in as a racist. You know, the the reason why the Ku Klux Klan and white supremacists and nationalists and all those kind of, uh, not all nationalists, I shouldn't shouldn't generalize like that, but white supremacists are able to just propagate and not be known as terrorists because the white supremacist system is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. It has been normalized. So racism Mm -hmm. has been normalized to affect a group of people and keep them in power For As long as this country is going to exist. And so back in the day when you had um, the creation of Mm -hmm. of what we look at upon now as the United States of America, it was put in place to make sure that white men were going to have power until for, for this whole existence. And so even when people state the Constitution, all Mm -hmm. men are created equal and this and that, you can't say that honestly, because people of color were not looked upon as men. And then women weren't even in the equation, you know, and so the normalization of racism is why we are in the state of the country that we're in at this very present moment. You know, it's because Mm -hmm. you're taking away a comfort from someone who has benefited from just from the color of their skin forever. And so now you're telling me that I have to admit that because I'm white, that I have been living in a privilege that I don't deserve. That's an uncomfortable thing. That's if someone came into your house and said, you know what, Mm -hmm. I need you to be homeless for a week. You're going to look at them like, yo, what the hell are you talking about? For the greater good of the world, I need you and your beautiful daughters and your husband to get out of your house and be homeless. You may still fight, even though you're a a social activist and you're trying and we're walking this path together, Emily. You will still look like, damn, that's a lie, you know? And so now, as a white person who has to realize education, healthcare, housing, finance everything that makes the world let make this country work has been put in place to benefit white people that's a lot to swallow so it doesn't surprise me when you said yo white woman you're racist she looks at you like you know what you, you you cussing my mama now like you you do disrespectful as hell i'm not a racist instead of looking at it like
1: right,
0: right. you know okay Let me work at it. Because in in order to really address a disease, you have to know that one exists. You can't say you don't have cancer when you really do and be surprised that you die from cancer because you didn't acknowledge the fact that you had cancer. You know, and so like the cancer that is present in our society is white supremacy for individuals to feel as though we have. It doesn't exist. Systemic racism doesn't exist. You're ignoring the disease and hoping for a problem to police brutality, mass incarceration, poor education, disparity in healthcare. All of these things are going to continue to be propagated, continue to perpetually be an issue until we say, you know what, as a society, Black people, because there's some Black people that said racism doesn't exist too. So, as a as a culture, we have to say, you know what? White mm-hmm. supremacy exists. That doesn't make you a bad person. That makes you a person that benefits from a system. And now you're obligated to use your benefit to benefit all. It's as simple as that. So that's mm-hmm. what's coming up for me right there.
1: Right. Yeah, it's kind of like I mean, it, it, there's really like a a brilliance a brilliance to how white supremacy has evolved to be like this is how this country runs yes. is by exploiting certain populations and let's say that the worst thing you can do is call someone racist <sighs> like it, like the the combination of the ways in which it's been normalized and vilified completely holds it in place frozen yes and then even like people who i consider very highly intelligent, in tuned, sensitive people are like, no, not me, you know? And I mean, it's, uh, it's shocking. And like, even white people who are recognizing the white supremacy and the way in which capitalism holds it in place, uh, has the attitude of, oh, well, we tried like how, I don't know. I've asked this in other episodes, but how can we create that movement towards an equitable society if the quote like more woke people are saying, I just don't have time.
0: You Again, know? the the illusion of creating change and actually creating change are two different things. You know, when you say you want to create change without doing anything or taking active steps toward it, you just you're just spewing rhetoric. You're just making people feel good. You're also making yourself feel good. A lot of times, the mm-hmm. uh, I say this analogy a lot of times, you know, pregnancy. If you want a child, you have to be pregnant. You have to go through the pains. You have to go through the childbirth. You, but on the other side of that, you have a gift. You have a blessing. Without going through that, there's no way you're going to experience your blessing, you know, unless you adopt. But if you want to have it, um, a child of your own, You have to go through that process. If you want to learn how to walk, you have to risk falling down. You have to risk bumping your head. You have to risk skinning your knee. And so when individuals say they want to really get um, work towards racism and don't want to take the it's so simple. It's simple. So, you know what? I have profited from this white supremacist system. That doesn't make me an evil person. Doesn't make me bad. I can't talk about this bootstrap mentality, this meritocracy of you get it because you work hard because people are starting at different points. And so I, I think it, it's kind of laughable when people say, I did this, why can't they? Because I have students all the time that say, I mean, I have a black student that was blessed. Like He's an outlier, you know, and, and um, he has been blessed to be been born to an affluent black family. And so his perspective mm-hmm. is not of the same, like, you know what, I come from this. I, I I don't know how I'm gonna make it out. His thing is, my parents did it, why can't you? You know, and so we mm-hmm. have to unpack that. So mm-hmm. it's not a black white thing, it's a system thing. It's mm-hmm. a it's a SCS thing, it's a, a situation. However, most of the individuals that benefit and are taken advantage of look a certain way. That's the priority because everything in this country was based on the color of your skin. The color of your skin makes you Mm -hmm. powerful, makes you unworthy, makes you superior, makes you inferior. Those are the poles. So when people try to run from that and says, no, Mm -hmm. we can't do this. There are so many instances to show you that because of the color of your skin, you can't live here. You can't bank here. You can't eat here. You can't receive this healthcare. Your body will be tested upon because you're disposable. You know, I'm just not talking from a, a, a wild activist standpoint. I'm I'm giving facts. It is factual to say that this country was built on the color of skin versus, I mean, because the color of your skin and economics. And now. Religion came into play, you, you're you Black because God wants the size of your brain. And so the racist thought has been baked into the culture so well that it affects Blacks and people of color a certain way, women a certain way, women of color a certain way, white people a certain way, even woke people a certain way, because they would rather you do anything than call them racist that goes to show right there that we're really not really ready to address the issue that is suppressing us all.
1: I feel like if we could, um, if we get to, even individuals can get to a place where they say like, wow, my baseline assumption is that I'm racist. Of course, I'm talking about white people here. My baseline assumption is that I'm racist. That opens up, instead of being called racist being an insult and something to defend yourself against. And like immediately the, the, the defenses are high for me, it shifts it to like, Oh wow, I need help. I need help. Yes. Like weeding out these thoughts. I need help weeding out this conditioning. And you know, who's going to give me that help are people of color and people yeah. who have been marginalized and people who have been oppressed. Those are the people who are most likely going to be able to recognize when i'm saying things that are offensive because of the white supremacy conditioning that i it's been raining down on me since the beginning of time Mm -hmm. and it you know i feel like it shifts the relationship from like oh here's someone who's trying to put me in my place and tell me what i'm doing is wrong yes to oh wow here's someone who's helping me uncondition myself because we can't move forward in silos and i think this is a tension i often come up up against is like, you know, I, I as a, as a white person, I, I feel really sensitive to asking people other than you. You know, like, was what I just said racist? Was that offensive? Like, I need to understand why. I need to deconstruct it. I need to take responsibility. I don't want to put more emotional labor on someone of color to to help me understand my conditioning. But I knew to, I do need the help of of correction of like, it's so internalized, Yeah, you know, it's so,
0: I mean, um, I can't see
1: the, the water that I'm swimming in.
0: You're, you're bringing up something that's that, cause I like to speak and look at other perspectives as I, as I come for people, you know, like, so the emotional labor that white people a lot of times make it Uh, make for people of color to explain, you know, this is racist because this, this is why it came up for me this way. Can you not do this? We will be doing that every day, all day, you know, and that's why the work has to be done on, on like a certain level. Like you have to be more creative for white people to figure out like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't be assumed making assumptions about this person of color. You know, let me try to come from a place of relationship building versus guilt because that guilt is annoying for mm-hmm. people of color. So it is like, damn if you, you do. Damn if you
1: do, damn if you don't.
0: Yeah. The, the case 22 is if you don't ask, you don't know and you keep doing it. If you do ask, now right. we got white woman tears, you know, like we have a situation <laughs> where we got to take care of you and we're the one being, um, being hey. fucked over. You know, so it's like, OK, where do I meet this person halfway? You know, like, how do I meet this person without because, like, we we move into a place where we get paid to speak. You know, so so if I got to always open up a DEI training every time I have a, a white person talking to me, you know, I'm like a taxi cab. I need to start, start punching a clock every. Oh, a white man. Hold on. Go ahead. That's two hours. You owe me two hundred dollars. Thank you right. for the training. You know, like it has to come a time mm-hmm. where the 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 burden of education, aside from reading books, like that's an that's an ally. You know, like it's cool. You're comfortable. Not just another book group. Yeah. Yeah. Like reading a book is cool. It's cute. You know, like it's comfortable. Watching a movie. You know, like that's that's right. Hollywood. Yeah, it's cool. You know. And so when are we gonna get to a time where you've read the book, you saw the movie, now let's make this shit into action. What can I do? We had to, mm-hmm. people of color have mm-hmm. to figure out how to live here, how do we exist?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do we capitalize on this poverty? How do we live in a war, in a country that does not really want us here as evident by, again, mm-hmm. all the systems, so if we had to figure it out and still smile and thrive and, and, and thrive and, and and raise families and go to college and and get educated, like it may it may take like gotta put your big boy pants on and and, and figure it out. We, we couldn't ask y'all how do we live in white supremacist situations? How do I go to Harvard Law School and become a lawyer when Harvard was built? to propagate ideas that were against someone that looks like me. How do I become a lawyer or a doctor? Mm -hmm. I had to figure it out.
1: Right, how do you succeed within the system that was built to
0: put you down and suppress? So the the memo should go out. Hey, white people, let's assemble. Let's use our, our, our power to dismantle an oppressive system so that we can make it equitable for all. That should be like, black people shouldn't solve a problem that's fucking with black people. That's crazy. That's like my mama telling me. <laughs> I know. It doesn't, doesn't make sense. My mama telling but me, yeah, y- here's the thing: go get the switch so I can beat your ass with it. Like, that's torture. Right. You know, like, that's crazy.
1: But it is, it comes back to this catch 22 in my mind of like, I completely, completely agree with that. And I also feel, you know, what I was saying before about like, We need, I feel like I need, I need input. I need to be told where the white supremacy is coming out. I need to be highlighted about ways that I'm complicit. I mean, to be honest, hearing that from a person of color is much more impactful than hearing it from another white person because there's like this loads of guilt and defensiveness there. But again, then that's putting more emotional labor
0: on you. And so it's, It depends on the setting, you know, like. It's a weird,
1: you know, it's a weird, you know, yeah.
0: It depends on the setting though, Emily. Like if we've set the stage for us as people of color to have open dialogue about why this is not built for us is different than assuming that because I'm black and you're white, that I need to. That's the problem. Right. Yeah. So that's where i'm i am with it you know like the assumptions being made that hey i'm woke i need help black per- person walk down the street help me do this please yo man
1: you tell me right exactly that's more power that's like a yeah. the assumption is you're here to serve me again right again And i really appreciate i have like this this slew of of women that I follow on Instagram a group of black women. They're not a united group. They're just different people. I found activists and I just really appreciate that part of their platform is, you know, every now and then they'll say, if you're learning from my work, Venmo me. You know, and I really appreciate that that attitude of like, I'm putting in labor here and most of it, and I can put some in the show notes, I'll put some links to some different women that I just really I Venmo money to. I'm learning from. Like it's incredible so much of their emotional labor is just in the comments, holding space for defensive white people, like bless them in terms of how many times when you, you know, follow these women for over a year, like how many times they have to deal with the like, but, but this, but this, you know, and it's just so exhausting. And I I think that that's an interesting model is just like, I'm not here as a formal trainer, but you're learning from me. And I'm putting in emotional labor, so you should pay me. And I, I appreciate that because that's new. Like that's kind of new in my awareness as a mm-hmm. as a way of learning and compensating.
0: I mean, now now we're bleeding in. I love how our show bleeds into other shows because we can talk about reparations, we could talk about um yeah. the business of educating. Like it's so it's it's really amazing. But um, but The question that always comes for me is why do certain people a lot of times find it so uncomfortable just to say slavery existed? This country was built the way it was built. Now, what are we going to do? Everyone is always like, why do we have to go back there? Aren't you not? You're really not patriotic if you do this. Our country is is amazing. Let's make America great. Like, when was it great? you know what i'm saying who was it great for who was it you know, great and, for? So when- and
1: why is america particularly caught in this because i think even like europe and other other areas of the world don't don't deny their past as much you know even you know. if you look at like uh, at germany and nazi germany like they they're like wow we really messed up you know and like how can i ask for forgiveness how can i how can I reconcile this past? And that's much more—that's more recent than slavery.
0: Um, yeah, hundred percent.
1: And like, uh, yeah, that's—it's kind of a mysterious. I—I I would say maybe because the profits were so great, <laughs> the profits off of slavery were so economically, you know, brilliant. We're still, yeah, but but I don't know why denying slavery and pretending you know going back to normalizing like normalizing this whole i can like that was a normal path yeah, like, I, like can, can we pretend like that was a normal path to economic growth i don't understand i don't know
0: i, and I that's you know what it is path. the us has this thing about our standing around the world you know and you, you brought up germany with, with the, the nazis and and other countries um that had wars and and, and fought certain things that have um paths that aren't the best i just think that because the u.s is a superpower and has this thing that every other country wants to model itself after the u.s like we we want to suppress certain things that make us look less than when ironically the power comes from saying you know what We were built on the backs of people that we really don't care about now. You know, I think if we came from a a perspective of, you know, like people of color have been given nothing, not even nothing, you know what I'm saying? Like have not been given their due, given the influence that they had in this country. We will go to, we, we would jump up in standings across the the the, the around, across the world really because people there's when you're vulnerable you're also stronger the vulnerability breeds strength and so now we have having-
1: yeah I mean look at South Africa right like they were like wow we had we we had a bad past we have to reconcile we have to grow we have to come together we have to unite we have to move beyond this together we're not going to leave anyone behind here we all need to heal yes. i mean i think did they go down in everyone's eyes no i mean they were elevated right wow look at this country who dealt with this and i don't know enough about south african history to say
0: it was perfect but like no it wasn't apartheid was huge there. Yeah. you know nelson mandela was, uh, right. it was it was it was it was bad you know, but a lot of other countries and a lot of places around the world didn't have a past and didn't have a past that was so long. Like slavery lasted for so long. wars were fought for people to end slavery. The constitution was created on the backs of like, slavery has been like in the fiber of the creation of America. So yeah, it's, other countries don't have that. They did crazy shit. They have peers in there in the history that's 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 fucked up. But slavery, yo, that it would still be going on. Like it was a law.
1: Yeah. It wasn't like a blip. It was, you know, it wasn't like a, oh, we do this. Oh, we messed up. Yeah. You know, it was like, okay, keep doing it. And then when everyone was quote, emancipated, then the systems were put in place and the laws were put in place so that. Black people couldn't actually get, you know, their feet under them. They couldn't own things. And then if they did anything they put in jail and they're back in slavery, basically. And it's yeah. for anyone who wants to dive deeper into this, highly recommend Slave Syndrome as a book that kind of seeps you in in history. I don't know if you have another book that you'd add to that, that we can put um, um, stamped. into the show notes. Um,
0: stamped. Stamped. Stamp. Yes.
1: That's Ibram X. Yeah. 100%. So we'll we'll put those in the show notes because, I mean, when we can talk about like what white people can do, and I know we're talking minimizing books a little bit, but we need to know, know the context that we're living yeah. in.
0: Exactly. Minimize- and not
1: pretend that we're not living there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Minimizing the books, no. 100%. Like in order to change a system, you have to know one. You have to know the system. You have to know the past. You have to know where it came from. you know. So the education that comes with knowing and reading, I'm not minimizing in the least. But if you're cool with having so much knowledge without action, that's a problem. You know, you know about Stamped. You know about post-traumatic slave, And you still right. say that white supremacy doesn't exist. You read the Willie Lynch letters mm-hmm. just to have that under your belt. And then you still say, like, white supremacy doesn't exist. Like we, that is where, for me, the problem is because you're hiding behind text, you're hiding behind media, you're hiding behind this instead of looking at what is in print. Like they're obviously, you know, the, I mean, the argument is, oh, that's biased media. That's fake news. You know, that's, that's what they want you to hear. All right, cool. You know, so let's unpack all of that. Let's talk about, all of the systems in place so that we can honestly, because if you're going to be dishonest, we can't have a conversation. But if you come honestly saying, you know what, I don't understand why racism is said to still exist. Oh, cool. Thank you. Because a black man, there's a lot of white shit that I don't know about. You know, like, what the fuck is hiking? Like, why would people hike? I don't, like, (laughs) I don't don't know about that. (laughs) Why would you like walk
1: i was asking courtney yeah. from atlanta you know like yeah. how, how is he enjoying living in the beautiful mountains of estes park Estes Park, and you're like i'm not going camping that's terrifying
0: <laughs> terrible i've been oh. homeless i don't know why i want to sleep outside like i'm over that you know i've been homeless like <laughs> i appreciate it thank you um so no so like
1: been there done that no yeah. yeah we didn't have bears in atlanta <laughs> thank you
0: <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so I like we we just. So I guess we, yeah.
1: I guess I, w- I would just maybe I'm curious to hear from you some like some thoughts on this. But in talking, just wrapping up and talking about like normalization, I feel like you know what we've talked about is how racism as an institution, as a way of making economic gains, as a way yeah. of keeping people out of certain systems has been normalized yeah and i feel like the way one of the ways to see our way out of that is to then normalize owning racism yes to normalize like seeing seeing that and seeing the ways that i'm complicit seeing the ways that i benefit so like there's one layer of normalization that happened and then there's another layer of normalization that needs to happen so that we can start in honesty, you know, like that's not with the blinders on, that the system that was created for white people to benefit, put blinders on white people and those blinders need to come off.
0: That's perfect. I agree. You know, and if I could even add to that, like, this is activism, you know. I a lot of times people only view activism to be reactionary to a, an egregious act: someone being killed, some a, a child being murdered, a, a man being killed in the street by police officers, something happening to an elderly person. Now we're we're marching in the street where we we have our signs. We we have this. That is powerful, you know. I believe what's more powerful is proactive activism because when you start to do certain things before or you know that they exist and you start to address them in certain ways, like someone is always dying at the hands of the police. We just see certain ones. That happens a lot. That's been happening, you know? And so George Floyd, again, sparked this whole thing in the early part of this year. And people say the protest was horrible, there was a lot of things being damaged, and I don't agree with the violence. I understand it. You cannot continuously push someone in a corner and don't expect them to fight back. At a certain point, a nail's gonna come to a head and we gotta address it. So just imagine the proactive steps that it should have been taken to address police brutality to address um, substandard um, living conditions, to address bad education, to address mass incarceration, you know, criminal justice, all of these suppressive systems, they're gonna come to a head sooner or later. And, you know, and so, like, COVID is a, is showing the healthcare system is coming to a head, especially for people of color, mm-hmm. you know? And so what are we gonna do, and this is, Like, this is why I am really excited about what we're doing because through raising awareness, people get inspired and people start to say, you know what? I'm not the only one who feels this way. And there's a platform for me to do it. Me and you both, and we have a platform. You know, we've taken on a charge because of our platform, because of our entrepreneurship ways and how we think to say, you know, this is not comfortable. This is not easy, but I'm going to address this so that other people who were, who may have had pause to do something like this can say, you know what, I I wanna be a part of the solution and not just cry about it and and go back to the suburbs and say, man, Mm -hmm. man, that black man, he he got fucked up by the police. All right, guys, come in, it's time for dinner. Like that's not enough, yo, Mm
1: -hmm. that's not Mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm.
0: I really hope this shit ends, but it ain't my family, okay. Come on in. Let's go on vacation. Right. The pandemic is over. Right. Like it's
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, it's that's proactive activism. You know, and like I love standing on the shoulders of Martin Luther King, Malcolm X or Gandhi, uh, uh, even Ruth Bader, you know, um, Ginsburg. However. What are we going to do to push to push the agenda forward towards true progression, continue to wait till something happens and then march in the streets? those days are over, Mm -hmm. we have to do better. We have to, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like Mm -hmm. humanized for me is an outlet, is a great way to to start moving towards a society that is active, that is moving. I want humanized to be a podcast, but I also hope that we can make it into a movement, something that is actively moving Mm -hmm. towards empowerment and dismantling systems of oppression
1: yeah yeah and we're so for folks who aren't following us yet on instagram or facebook we're going to follow up episodes with a question because we want people to continue like we're just throwing out ideas we're not representative of all white people or all black people here we're just throwing out ideas and perspectives and we have our own assumptions and blind spots um so we're going to follow up each episode with a question that we put out on our, um, social platforms. So I hope that you come and, and follow up, engage with us. And maybe the, the question after this episode should be, you know, what, what does proactive activism look like for you? And cause I think that it's great to kind of crowdsource and brainstorm that, that looks like, but also if you have, you know, if there's, questions that you have if there's a topic you want us to talk about that's a good place to to find us and hit us up um and also as as courtney mentioned at the beginning of this episode next season we're going to be bringing in folks um our hope is given a lot of thought to what we're doing here in this podcast and we're hoping to hear real stories from people and um not stories that are you know just told because you're put on the spot but stories stories from the heart like <laughs> that's that's what we're calling it stories from the heart about social justice and if you know someone with an amazing story um someone who needs a platform someone who you know maybe they have a, a book or something else that they're working on and they're looking to to increase their reach yeah. or maybe that's you please contact us through direct messages on on either of those platforms we'll be starting to put together a list pretty soon in addition to folks that we already have kind of in the queue. So we just hope that you engage with us there, consider us a resource uh, and consider us co-learners in this. Yep. Um, yeah. you know, we're, we're here to stir the pot, but we don't have the next step all worked out. <laughs>
0: So this is a work in progress. Humanize is a collective effort, even with um, our audience, you know. And so, is there if there's any way that we can make it um better? We we are always open for suggestions. I mean, we may not accept it, you know. Like we may say, you know, I nah, you could this this may not be the podcast for you. However, we're always open to it because I can be wrong, you know. And I know Emily feels the same way, you know. And so, if I'm wrong, I yeah. please challenge it because. That's the only way we get to freedom is through um, the the hard work that it takes, the challenging moments, the um, the honest uh, reflections and the perspectives that come differently. And so I'm I'm ready for it. I, I know Emily's ready. And hopefully um, you can bring a perspective that can can push this narrative, push this work forward.
1: Thank you so much. We've talked normalization into the ground. <laughs> we'll see you next time.
0: Yes. Humanize. much love
1: thanks for joining us on this episode of Humanize. please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode join us on instagram or facebook to continue this conversation at the Humanize podcast
0: let us know if you want to learn more about the professional trainings we offer and of course tune in next time as we continue the work thank you and much love